What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the movies Six Underground and Longshot. But first, let's talk about Six Underground. Six Underground is the latest action flick by Michael Bay, who's right now most famous for directing movies like Bad Boy and Transformers. Here's a quick synopsis about what Six Underground is all about, and it's quite ridiculous. A billionaire realizes he can't make an impact on the world with just his wealth, so he decides to fake his own death and recruits five other specialists to join him to take down criminals and terrorists as a vigilante group known as Ghost. Despite that ridiculous premise, I actually enjoyed this movie a lot. And there's one main reason I enjoyed this movie. Ryan Reynolds. I think he's one of the best movie stars we have going. The only reason this movie works and is enjoyable is because of Reynolds. It's fascinating that an actor is joined to the hip by two writers, Paul Wernick and Red Reese. You might be asking yourself, who are these two people? Well, they're most famous for writing the Zombieland movies, but then they wrote Deadpool, and since Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds has been in countless movies written by these two men. He was in Deadpool 2, he's in Six Underground, he's going to be in another adaptation of the game Clue, written by Paul Warnick and Red Reese. Ryan Reynolds loves being comedic, and these two writers know what Ryan Reynolds wants to say, and how he wants to say it. They have mastered the tone of Ryan Reynolds. He can do any type of role if it's comedic. He has become the funniest man on planet Earth. And in this movie, he's a billionaire who's cold at times, but he keeps the funny lines going. That's what these two writers are to Ryan Reynolds. They know his tone. Even when he's playing the most serious characters like this billionaire who's trying to save planet Earth, they still give him the funny lines to work with. I mean, we've seen actors like Leonardo DiCaprio become obsessed with working with directors like Martin Scorsese or Adam Driver with Noah Baumbach. No, Ryan Reynolds is like, I am only going to be in movies written by Paul Wernick and Red Reese, and that is something completely and tonally different than what those other actors are doing. It is also clear that Ryan Reynolds does not care about critical acclaim or being an Oscar-nominated actor. He is here to be the big franchise guy. He wants to be beloved by all, and I think that's a worthy thing to go after because I think he's one of the last great movie stars. Ryan Reynolds in a movie gets people to watch that movie. Just look at his two blockbusters films this year, Pokemon Detective Pikachu and Six Underground. Plot-wise, they're not great, but he moves the movie forward. He is what why these movies are working. I think he believes in himself. He has a belief in himself. I think Ben Affleck also had this belief in himself. He can make not-so-great movies and elevate them, and I think that's what Ryan Reynolds is doing right now. He's elevating Six Underground, he's elevating Pokemon Detective Pikachu, and he is making them endlessly and entertaining movies. These are not great movies, but they are entertaining, and that's because of one thing, Ryan Reynolds. The main reason why I think Ryan Reynolds has gone down this path is because of Green Lantern. 
He was going to be the boring movie star who was in movies. He was in rom-coms. He was in superhero movies. And then Green Lantern came and went. And it was destroyed by critics. And it was uninteresting. Six Underground might be equally as confusing as Green Lantern. But it's a heck of a lot more fun to watch. You can watch Six Underground eight times in a day. And you would still be like, what is going on here? This is fascinating. And this is visually stunning. It is a thousand times more interesting and a better movie than Green Lantern. So he could go on and being boring franchise guy, or he could be in more interesting franchises like Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Six Underground, and Deadpool. I like the route that Ryan Reynolds is going on right now. Then you have some pretty good supporting performances in this movie as well. Melanie Laurent is famous for being in the movie Inglorious Bastards. Ben Hardy has been in big movies recently. He was in X-Men Apocalypse, and he was in Bohemian Rhapsody. This is the one movie where he is endlessly entertaining in this movie. He is the one person in this movie that actually has chemistry with Ryan Reynolds. It's a surprisingly really interesting performance by Ben Hardy. Again, I didn't really like him in X-Men Apocalypse. I didn't really like him in Bohemian Rhapsody, but he really works in this movie. It is also worth to note that Dave Franco, yes, movie star Dave Franco, has a small role in this movie as a getaway driver in the car chase opening scene of this movie is epic and it shows what the movie is going to be non-stop and over-the-top action if you like that opening scene you're going to like the rest of the movie if you think you're like oh this doesn't have enough plot for me you're not going to like this movie at all now i have to discuss michael bay i like michael bay movies i like armageddon i like bad boys i like transformers the first one michael bay say what you will about michael bay Michael Bay. He can create a good plot, but he is a visual master in the same realm as Zack Snyder. Like, these two people know what action should look like. They just don't know how to get to those action points and making a plot that is bearable at times. There are times in Six Underground where you have no idea what any character's motives are in this moment. But you're like, this is visually stunning. I'm just here for this wild and crazy ride. The same with like Zack Snyder's Batman vs. Superman, Donald Justice or Justice League. You're like, yes, these movies are bad, but visually they are stunning. And Six Underground is not just even stunning. It's a fun, crazy ride. It's way more fun than Justice League. It's way more fun than Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. This is Michael Bay back to being fun. Like the last few Transformers movies were dull and dreadful. This is a fun ride with movie stars Ryan Reynolds, Dave Franco, Ben Hardy, Melanie Laurent. Six Underground is a lot of things. Being not fun is not one of them. It is enjoyable. Whether or not it has a good enough plot that you'll understand what happened is besides the point. It is a fun, exciting joyride. It is exactly the type of movie I want Michael Bay to make because only Michael Bay could make this kind of movie. The last thing I'll say about Six Underground, unlike the other recent Netflix films like The Irishman or Marriage Story, this isn't an awards movie that makes you think. It's nonstop action with a confusing plot that you can't follow. So you don't have to think while you're watching, which is enjoyable, and you can just enjoy the spectacle that is Six Underground and be done with it. There doesn't have to be a long week where we argue about Six Underground. Like, there's not going to be a fanboy argument online about Six Underground. I like the movie Six Underground. 
And I think most people should like the movie Six Underground. It doesn't have to be a deep thing type of movie. It's in that same realm of like Triple Frontier that I saw earlier this year. It's a fun, exciting ride of a movie. You don't have to think about it. It has Michael Bay at his top game. It has Ryan Reynolds doing things you've never seen Ryan Reynolds do. There's not a lot I don't like about Six Underground. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think you would too. I highly recommend sitting just one time to watch Six Underground. If you don't like that type of thing, I can understand that. But visually, it is a stunning movie. Six Underground, definitely check it out. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie Longshot, the comedy starring Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen. Here's a quick synopsis. Fred Flarsky, a political journalist, is hired as a speechwriter for his former babysitter, Charlotte Field, the U.S. Secretary of State, who is running for president. They start a relationship and things become complicated. I think I like this movie a lot more than I thought I was going to like this movie. Like, this is way more rewatchable than I thought it was going to be. Like, I haven't loved the last few Seth Rogen movies. The last one I loved was This Is The End. I didn't love the internship. I haven't seen a lot of the recent stuff. I didn't love Sausage Party. The last one, the last Seth Rogen movie I really felt Seth Rogen was the man in was This Is The End. But I really enjoyed long shot. I think there's a lot here to like, and I think it begins with Charlie Theron, who gives a terrific performance. I think she carried the movie. She's very believable as a politician. She is hilarious. The movie doesn't work without her. And something I couldn't enjoy more about this movie that wasn't a plot was she is not somebody who was so obsessed with her work that she was not willing to be in a relationship. I don't think she's the Drew Barrymore character in Fever Pitch. Like, work can't start a relationship that has become a tired act for me and I thought this was going to be that kind of movie and I thought we were going down that kind of path but it wasn't that at all we were she wasn't so into her job that she couldn't start a relationship with Seth Rogen's character that was something I really enjoyed they didn't go down that path because that has become a tiresome trope like successful woman who doesn't want to start a relationship because she's worried about her career. No, that was never really an issue for this movie at all. She was, she, her character is work driven. She is consumed by work, but it's not the reason she's not dating. Like it, that wasn't the whole thing. Like fever pitch. That was the whole thing. She didn't want to date Jimmy Fallon's character because she was consumed by work. Charlize Theron's character felt more natural to me and not a Hollywood trope of a woman who won't date because of her career. Then you have Seth Rogen, who I think plays a different kind of character this time. He's still childish at times, but cares about his work. Kind of like his character in the interview. Like in the interview with James Franco, he's serious about being a journalist in a weird way, even though that movie is ridiculous. In this movie, it's similar. Like he's a journalist. He's a writer. He cares about his work. I I think there's a development of the Seth Rogen man-child character that's happening here. Like I've enjoyed Seth Rogen more recently in dramas like Steve. Steve Jobs. I even liked him in Lion King as Pumbaa. That's not a drama. But I think that, like, there's a reason comedic stars don't age well in comedies. And I think that the Seth Rogen act can become tiresome at times, but I think it works here. 
I just wonder how much longer Seth Rogen can maintain this comedic persona and me still enjoying it. That's what I thought coming into this. I thought I would be tired of the Seth Rogen act at times, and I wasn't. I think of Seth Rogen the same way I think of Will Ferrell. How many times can I join Will Ferrell in what he's doing? How many more times can Will Ferrell be funny to me doing the same thing. I think the same thing happened with Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn tried to do the same thing over and over again and it got tired. I think why Seth Rogen is going to work out here is because it looks like he's willing to do different things. This character is not the guy from Knocked Up. He's not the guy from Pineapple Express. He's evolved. Something that the Vince Vaughns of the world didn't do. Something that the Will Ferrells of the world are not willing to do. Seth Rogen is willing to evolve as a character in his movies. Because at this point, Seth Rogen is larger than life and he kind of becomes a character in his movies. But in this movie, I thought he was playing a different kind of man-child. Even when he has a kid in Neighbors and Neighbors 2, you're like, he's going to be a man-child. That is the Seth Rogen character at this point. This is the end. He's a man-child. He's playing a version of himself. He's a man-child. But I wonder to myself, how many more times can he differently play a man-child? That's why the evolution of Seth Rogen's career is going to be something interesting to watch moving forward for me. I think the chemistry between Seth Rogen and Charlie Theron is the best chemistry Seth Rogen has had with an actress since he, since Katherine Heigl in Knocked Up. He has not had that same type of comedic chemistry with an actress since Heigl in Knocked Up. And with Charlie Theron, they create that chemistry. You kind of almost believe them as a couple. That's a lot. I mean, that's saying a lot. I know it is Seth Rogen, Charlie Theron. You, you kind of believe them as a couple in a way and I think that's something the film does perfectly perfectly well but again in his movies recently I mean even with Rose Byrne and Neighbors Aubrey Plaza and Funny People he has not had that same type of comedic chemistry with a female actress since Knocked Up and he creates that with Charlie Theron and that's really interesting because you don't quite know how that's going to work because you think of Charlie Theron as a serious dramatic actress and you think of Seth Rogen as a comedic man child but for some reason two opposites kind of do attract and it works here. I believe their relationship. I think you're rooting for it throughout the movie. There's not a point where you're like, man, I am not rooting for Seth Rogen to end up with Charlize Theron here. And that is the point of this rom-com, political rom-com. That's what you want to happen. That's what they want you to want to happen. And the fact that you want that to happen makes this movie a success in my mind. I also think this was the first Seth Rogen non-bro movie. There was no James Franco. There was no Jay Baruchel. There was no Jonah Hill. There was no Jason Segel. There was no... Danny McBride, Joseph Gordon-Lovett, or Craig Robinson. There was only O'Shea Jackson Jr., the son of Ice Cube. Like, most Seth Rogen movies have, like, a Paul Rudd or Steve Carell or a group of men who the movie is mostly about their friendships. Yes, this movie has a best... Seth Rogen's character has a best friend. This was the first Seth Rogen movie that wasn't about male friendship. And I wonder how much of that actually helped Longshot in the long run because yes although I think long 
Shot is a very good movie. It did not do as financially well as Knocked Up, as a 40-year-old virgin, and all those other bro movies Seth Rogen has been making. So, as Seth Rogen becomes a better actor and makes movies not all about bros, it's maybe not working out for him financially. Because you can make fun of Seth Rogen for making all of those bro movies like Pineapple Express, but he's also doing it with some of the most famous and best actors working today. His friends happen to be two-time Oscar nominated Jonah Hill Oscar nominated James Franco like this movie Longshot had two stars Seth Rogen and Charlie Theron all of his other movies have numerous stars that you've seen in TV and television and movies you've seen James Franco all the time you've seen Jonah Hill you've seen Jason Segel you've seen Jay Baruchel his friends are famous in he was criticized all that time for making movies all about his friends all with his friends and we were like, dude, why do you keep making the same movies over and over again with your friends like Adam Sandler does? But the difference between Seth Rogen's friends and Adam Sandler's friends is Seth Rogen's friends are successful on their own. James Franco is successful on his own. Jason Segel is successful on his own. Seth Rogen might need his friends more than Adam Sandler needs his friends. Because guess what? This movie had zero of Seth Rogen's friends. And guess what? The movies with his friends did a lot more at the box office than this movie did. So again, while this might be a very good movie, which I think it is, it might not be the best for Seth Rogen's actual comedic career to go in this direction. You would think Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen are big enough stars on their own, but this movie might have could have used a Paul Rudd or some of those famous cameos that have been in Seth Rogen movies before. His famous friends are no longer making movies with him. He's probably going to go back to making movies with his famous friends because this one wasn't a flop it certainly didn't make the kind of money that most Seth Rogen movies have made. this didn't even make as much money as this is the end this movie made about 53 million at the box office and while I never try to care about the box office Seth Rogen has been like Adam Sandler a box office hero this movie was not quite that this wasn't the usual box office success we're used to a Seth Rogen movie and the one thing it doesn't have that most others do have is his group of famous friends and I really do like long shot I'm not saying it would have been better with his famous friends but I am saying it would have made a ton more money if they were in it I want to talk about the director of long shot Jonathan Levine I feel like not enough people know this guy he directed the Nicholas Holt movie Warm Bodies about zombies, which is brilliant. He directed the best Seth Rogen movie to date with Joseph Gordon-Lovett, 50-50. If you have not seen 50-50, I cannot recommend it anymore. It is my favorite Seth Rogen movie. It is my favorite Joseph Gordon-Lovett performance. 50-50 is Seth Rogen's masterpiece of a movie, and Jonathan Levine is a big reason for that. He also directed the Seth Rogen Christmas movie the night before. Jonathan Levine gets Seth Rogen to play Play different kinds of characters. I think of all the famous directors that have worked with Seth Rogen, the Judd Apatows, David Gordon Greens, the one who knows how to get the best out of Seth Rogen is Jonathan Levine. Because each of those three movies, there's a distinctive difference to a character that Seth Rogen is playing. Like that man-child character in The Night Before. He's dealing with having a kid for the first time. He's a different kind of Seth Rogen character. He's having one crazy last wild night. And you get the sense that he hasn't been having wild nights like every day like some of those other characters. In the movie 50-50, he's the same usual silly self. 
but he really cares about his best friend and he's warm towards his friend because guess what? He's got cancer and he's being warm to that character. There's a warmness to his character in 50-50 that you don't usually see. And then, and then in this movie in long shot, you, he's playing Fred Flarsky, the first Seth Rogen character, I think, that is addicted to career success. I mean, maybe in the interview, he cared about his career. But in this movie, this is a different type of Seth Rogen character. This guy cares about his job. He is not lazy, which is, I think, something you think a lot of those other characters quite are. Like in Knocked Up and Pineapple Express, he's a lazy guy. In this movie, it's something different. And the fact that John Levine can get... Three different unique performances from Seth Rogen is is why it's their best. It's his best collaboration with the director because I think Judd Apatow and I think David Gordon Green they made really good movies together with Seth Rogen. But they get the same Seth Rogen all the time, and I think Jonathan Levine gets something distinctively different here. The last thing I'll say about Long Shot in the end, I do think it will grow in the years to come. We will be like this is a better movie than the public gave it credit for. Like I know, I don't know if this will ever be in the same realm as say a movie like Knocked Up, but he has had some movies before. Like Funny People is drastically underrated. Like that is the one of the most underrated Seth Rogen movies, and I think Long Shot will be in that same realm of being underrated. Like you will go, we will we might look back and say in 2019, Charlize Theron's performance in Long Shot is better than her performance in Bombshell as Megyn Kelly. Like, I think this movie will age quite well. But I also almost forgot to mention this. Bob Odenkirk is hilarious as the president chambers in the movie. He is a president who was a TV star, and now he's quitting being president because he wants to be a movie star. I thought that portion of the movie was outright hilarious. Overall, I think Longshot is is a really funny comedy. It is a solid comedy, and it has some really dramatic moments that you weren't quite expecting. I highly recommend Longshot, because I think in the long run, we'll look back and think, this is a pretty great movie. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney. There'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. This week, I put the spotlight on the movies Six Underground and Longshot. Next week, I'm putting the spotlight on actor Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie The Two Popes. So tune into that, and please rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you.